For our scripture reading this afternoon, we continue in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18. Let us read, let us begin reading Luke 18, verse 9. So this morning we uh, heard the Lord tell the parable of the persistent widow, and now we hear another parable told by the Lord, Luke 18, verse 9, and he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And here begins our text for this afternoon, verse 15. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So far, our scripture reading. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we heard that instruction of the Lord Jesus uh, that we should always pray and never lose heart, and he used that image, that parable of the widow who persisted in going to that judge. So that's one lesson that we learned today. Persist in your prayer to the Lord because the Lord is not like that judge. He will hear you for sure, and He will respond to you, not grudgingly, not because He has to, not because you bother Him. He will respond to you because He loves to do so. So that teaches us something about how we approach the Lord. And I think many of us struggle with this. Perhaps we struggle with this all of our life because our faith life goes through ups and downs. I think you would agree with me. Maybe there are times that you are really close to the Lord. Maybe the time around your profession of faith in church. You think about it a lot. You pray every day. You read the Bible every day. And you feel, you know, that I'm close to the Lord. It's, it's good and you enjoy that. But then there can be other times that somehow it sinks, 
And why that is is not always clear. Maybe you stopped putting effort in your daily Bible reading, or maybe you gave in to some sinful inclinations, as we can easily do. And then, and then we, can, we can struggle with, with that feeling that, yeah, I go to church all the time, I sing the psalms and the hymns, and I do all the things that I should do. We, we pray together around the supper table, and yet it feels that God is distant. Do you know that feeling? I've had it many times that people told me, like young people in catechism class, yeah, I, I know I'm a child of God, but yet he feels so distant from me. And that's a feeling that we struggle with, and it's hard sometimes to, to find the root cause of it. So the Lord Jesus deals with these things a lot, and he teaches us how to think of God and how to think of ourselves and how we should go and how we should approach his Father in heaven. So this afternoon we get another lesson, another parable. No, not a parable, sorry. It's, it's a little story. The parable we came for that. It's a story, very short, only three verses. It doesn't begin so well. There is a disturbance around the Lord Jesus. He's teaching, probably, and then there are parents who are trying to bring their little babies and children to Jesus so that he would touch them and bless them, and then the disciples try to stop them. And then the Lord notices that, and then he admonishes his disciples, don't stop them, bring them to me, and then the story ends well. It's a beautiful scene that you have seen many times in the children's Bible, and maybe you've seen it on painted windows in churches or paintings of uh, of Rembrandt and, and so forth. The Lord Jesus holding child, a child in his arms, blessing the little children. Now, that's not just a sweet story, because the Lord also teaches us something with it. Be- between that awkward beginning and the beautiful ending of the story, we have some very important words spoken by the Lord. And that's gospel in this message. So, let's listen to the gospel this afternoon about Jesus blessing for children, young and old. And it's a a simple structure. First we see what the the Lord did, and then we listen to what he taught. They were bringing infants to him. Luke 18, verse 15. They brought infants to him that he might touch them. In Luke's gospel, it's a recurring theme that people were always coming to Jesus. People wanted to see him. People wanted to touch him. People wanted that he touched them. People were coming to him for healing, for blessing, to listen to his teaching, because every time you went to Jesus for something, you were encouraged and you were blessed. All these stories give us examples of it. The previous chapter, the beautiful story of ten lepers who came to Jesus seeking to be healed. And Jesus had that reputation among God's people already, that you can listen to him, he teaches with authority, and you will be blessed hearing him preach the gospel. And he has amazing power to heal. 
He has healed someone who couldn't walk. He has healed someone who, has been, who was blind from birth. He has healed people who have suffered from a disease for years. So it is not surprising that here we read about parents who bring their little children to Jesus, that he might touch them. Jewish parents would do that more often, that they would bring their little children to the rabbis, especially on feast days, and that the rabbis then would bless the little children. And here is Jesus, and he is a rabbi like no other, someone with authority and power. And we can understand, in those days, the mortality rate among little children was high. Many people lost their little children in the first 12 months. So if then Jesus comes along, we can understand that parents would like him to bless the child that you receive from the Lord. Now, the disciples of the Lord saw these parents coming with their children, and uh, they were shaking their heads. Don't these parents realize that the Lord is very busy? That he's doing really important work? Look, he's teaching the people about the deep truths of the kingdom of God. He's just told them this beautiful parable about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. That's, that's, there's a deep message in that. He's, let him teach, let him do his work. What are you guys doing taking these little children to the Lord? They don't understand anything anyway. So the disciples decide to step in. Um, It's a strong word, even in the text. When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. That's a strong word. It's, it's not like, uh, please guys, uh, wait a little bit. No, they rebuked them. They, they told these parents, you're not supposed to do this. Go away with your kids. It's a bit sad, right, to see the disciples acting this way. They were supposed to be helping the Lord in his work getting the gospel out to God's people. But here they are acting more like security guards or maybe bouncers, keeping people away from him. I was thinking that this is one of the tragedies of the Christian life, that sometimes with the best of intentions, we can become stumbling blocks to others who are trying to approach the Lord. In our text, we have well-meaning disciples. They don't mean bad, they, they, they mean well. And yet, they become stumbling blocks to these parents. It can happen in the church as well. That office bearers with the best of intentions do something that doesn't really help. It's rather a stumbling block. And, and we as parents can do the same. We mean well, but oh, we make mistakes sometimes. May the Lord have mercy on us, and he will. Now, the Lord Jesus sees what's going on, and he calls his disciples to himself. In the Gospel of Mark, if you were to go there as a parallel report, it says that the Lord was indignant with them. Indignant. Uh, that means that the Lord, it's not that the Lord says, oh, guys, it's not a problem, just let them come. The Lord is indignant with his disciples. So he reprimands them. He says, how can you do this? How can you stop these parents and their children from coming to me? And then he says these wonderful words, 
Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such of such is the kingdom of God. And then the story ends well. Luke doesn't mention it, but if you go to the Gospel of Mark, you read this, and the Lord took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. So you could say that the Lord did even more than the parents were hoping for. They asked that Jesus would touch their children. Now what he did was he took them in his arms and he blessed them. There's a little gospel lesson already there. Take your children to Jesus and you will see the good shepherd taking care of your little ones in ways that go far beyond what you would have expected. It's a simple story. And now, what is it that Jesus said? We need to pay attention to that. And the way Luke tells us the story, there are two important lessons in this little story. The first one is this, that the Lord said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. We can summarize that in in one little short sentence. Make sure to take your little children to Jesus. The Lord said it to the disciples, but he says it to anybody who is involved with little children, as many of us are. And those of you who are parents right now, and those of you who have been parents, maybe your grandparents now, and all of us who have been children, we know what parents do to bring their children to all the right places, especially when they are little babies and and toddlers. It's always beautiful to see how young fathers and mothers, how they work with their little children. You put them to bed when they need to sleep. We lay them in their mother's arms when they are hungry. We carry them around on our arms as long as that is necessary. And when when they can walk, we take them by the hand and we guide them wherever they need to go. And when they are sick, we take them to the doctor. When they are old enough, we take them to school. When they are a little bit older yet, we take them to soccer practice or maybe the hockey arena. It's amazing what parents do to make sure that their children are happy and healthy and that they have a good future. But as Christian parents, we realize that there is something that is even more important. It's one thing to make sure that your child has a successful life in the world, but it cannot compare to the fullness of life that our children experience as children of God. And that is why we desire that more than anything else. All these blessings like a good education and being able to play hockey well and so forth, um, it's good for this life, but we want our children also to be in a good position for their next life, for eternal life, because they have been created for eternity. So we want our children to thrive and flourish, not just for now, but even for eternity. Now, every time we have baptism of children in church, we read the form of baptism of children. And it reminds us that our children are conceived and born in sin, and therefore by, by nature, children of wrath. Serious language. That is, that is the greatest concern of believing parents. Our children inherit from us a sinful heart. 
And uh, it doesn't take long to discover that your child indeed has a sinful heart. Some of you have little babies, and maybe you still think that it's a little angel, wonderful. But by the time this little angel is a toddler, you know better, right? By then you have discovered that there are some tendencies in your child that you have to, to correct. And if you don't do that, your child is going to be growing up like a little or a big brat or something. So we know those things, and, and the form of baptism reminds us, therefore, that our children cannot enter the kingdom of God unless what happens? Unless they are born again. That needs to happen. That is how serious their condition is. Their souls are impure and they cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit changes their heart from the inside out. And that is why baptism is such a beautiful thing. Because we see it right before our eyes, the symbol of washing. These little babies that parents bring to the baptismal fund, they need to be cleansed and washed from the inside out. And we know that only the Lord can do that. Even though as parents and everybody else, teachers, office bearers, we all have a, a calling in this. Now in a certain sense, we today are better positioned to understand what it means to take our children to Jesus than those parents that are mentioned in the text. They thought of Jesus as a, a wonderful rabbi with great power, so they went, wanted Jesus to, to bless their children. Good. But they didn't know something that we know now. We know that those same hands with which the Lord blessed those little children were nailed to the cross not long after that. And we know that it was not because of his own sins that Jesus was nailed to the cross. It was because of our sins. So the hands of Jesus were pierced because of our sins and the sins of our children. And with his blood, our sins were washed away. And with the power of his Holy Spirit, our hearts are transformed and we are born again. And once we are born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts to continue to transform us into the image of Christ. Yeah, baptism is a wonderful ceremony. As, as we see a minister sprinkling water on those little cute babies, we see, as it were, the blessing hands of our Savior stretched out over them. Now, I'd like us to be practical this afternoon. When the Lord says, let the little children come to me, do not forbid them, what does that mean in practice? How can parents, grandparents, teachers, others be involved in bringing children to Jesus? So I'm going to mention some very practical ways, okay? Number one, reading, the Bible, reading Bible stories to your children at the dinner table. And dads in the congregation, that is a beautiful task for you. Do your best to read Bible stories to your children and do your best to really read it well. That the stories come alive and that your children can see what happens and that they can see the Lord Jesus pictured before their eyes. 
Many of us have wonderful memories of our dads reading us from the children's Bible. That's where it started. Number two, teach your children to sing Christian songs. Maybe that's more for the moms. I don't know. Our parents, dads can sing too. But the psalms and hymns we learn as children stay with us for the rest of our lives. How beautiful it is if you have learned to sing hymn 64 as a child, and then you can still sing it when you're in your 80s. What is in life and death my only aid, my comfort when I am by troubles swayed, I am not mine but Christ's, who fully paid for all my sins and saved me. I have to read it from the paper because I haven't memorized it. But I know if I was in Canada when I was a little child and I would have learned it, I would be able to say it right now. And so are many of you. That's wonderful. Number three, make sure your children get a solid Christian education. What an important foundation this is for the upbringing of our children. Schools are starting this week, so let's think about that. Let's pray for them. What a beautiful task it is for a Christian teacher and all those who have a special task in the instruction of covenant children. May God bless the teachers as they prepare for another year of instruction. And may it not be that you're tired because there may be problems or something. May may it be something you look forward to as a wonderful privilege. You, as a Christian teacher, have a task in bringing children to Jesus. Number four, strive to give your children a godly example by your own Christian walk of life. And here I think we can include everybody, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, older brothers, older sisters, members in the congregation in general, elders, deacons, wise woman in the church. If we can show by our walk of life that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and that we trust Him and that we want to follow Him and trust Him for all our needs, what a great way that is to, to teach our children to do likewise and in, in a way you're, you're bringing them to Jesus. And number five, last but not least, prayer. That is a very special way we can take our children to the Lord, to intercede for them. And for some of us, and that is hard, it is actually the only option that is left. Some of us have children or grandchildren that, who have strayed from the path and turned their backs on the Lord. Gone is the time that you could take your child by the hand and, and say, let's, let's go to church. They won't do it anymore. But you can still take your child to Jesus. You can still ask, Lord, please touch my child. Do not withhold your grace and mercy from my child or my grandchild or my nephew or my niece. Please be faithful to your promises and let your Holy Spirit work powerfully in my child's heart. So there are many ways by which we can take our children to Jesus. 
Now, the Lord also said, do not forbid them. Do not become a stumbling block for them. So we should think about that too. Because there are ways that we can become stumbling blocks for our children, that we hinder them in coming to Jesus. So that's not so nice, but let me mention a few examples of this too. One way of making it difficult for your children to come to Jesus, if you never talk with your children about faith or about the Lord, and if you just go through the motions, uh, you give them the impression that faith and church and Christianity is just more a matter of custom and tradition, but your heart doesn't have to be in it. That is, that is a sure way to make it difficult for your children to go to Jesus. The second way is to idolize your children, to treat them like little wonderful people, little gods, to show off with your kids, to use them to bolster your pride. You see how, how smart my, my kids are. And to ignore the fact that they are sinners who need correction and repentance. That's another way to keep them away from going to Jesus. A third way to do this is to give your children the wrong impression of the Lord. For example, by giving your children the impression, by the way you speak about their little sins and mistakes, if you say, if you say stuff like, oh, the Lord is going to be angry with you, or so if you give them the impression that oh, the Lord is hard to please and you're probably not good enough unless you smarten up, that is a way to make it hard for your children to go to the Lord because they will probably not trust that they will be good enough to be received by God. Number four, to bully your children into submission or even to abuse them and cause them to hate their Christian upbringing so much that they will break with the church. Maybe you've seen examples of this. I have an example in my own family of an aunt who doesn't want to go to church anymore for years. And when you ask her, why is that? She says, it's because of my dad, the way he treated me when I was young. Now, her dad is my grandfather. And I cannot imagine what he did in order to make this happen because I know him as a godly man, a gentleman. But maybe he was, he was different when he was younger. I don't know. That's what she says. And it is possible that dads and moms treat their children, that they bully them into submission, and then you get an outcome that you don't want to see. So let's also remember the admonition of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, there is a difference there. We need to bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, but in a way that does not provoke them to anger. Now, once again, we all mean well. The disciples meant well, and still they got in the way of the Lord's saving work. And likewise, there is the possibility that we as parents or office bearers or teachers, whatever, 
that we get in the way of the Lord's work and that we become stumbling blocks on the road to salvation for the children, that we hinder them to come to Jesus. And then just like the Lord was indignant with his disciples, he's going to be indignant with us. So it's a big responsibility. Parents, grandparents, anyone, teachers. And let us pray that the Lord will give us the love and the wisdom and everything that is needed to take our children to Jesus and not to put any stumbling block in the way. Now, thankfully, the Lord has promised that he will help us in this. Otherwise, I think we we wouldn't even try. The Lord has promised to parents and teachers and anyone who is involved with teaching and instruction of children that we may ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord will do that. And the Lord will even bypass our mistakes. You can make a mistake, and you look back at the way you treated your children when they were younger, and then you see how they still come out okay, and you think, oh boy, it was not because of me. It was because the Lord corrected whatever I did that was wrong, and he used whatever was good. Now, this is the first lesson in our text passages given to us by the Lord. Um, Make sure to take your children to Jesus. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. But there is a second lesson, and that one is more directly looking at each one of us, even when we are older. Because the Lord isn't done yet, he says... For such children, or like children, is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. In other words, the way these children were brought to the Lord is actually the way everyone should come to the Lord. Now, what does it mean? What is so unique about little children that makes them an example for anyone who desires to enter the kingdom of God? Does the Lord want us to become childlike, naive, gullible? That's obviously not the point. The point is this. Children are not able to bring anything that makes them worthy to enter the kingdom of God. They need someone else to help them. They can only hold out their little hands and receive. They are not able to work for it. Children are totally dependent on parents, grown-ups. And in the same way, we are totally dependent on the Lord to receive us and bring us into his kingdom. And connected to that, Children do not merit anything. They do not work for the food that we give them or the education that we give them. We just give it to them. You don't expect your children to pay for the food you give them. In the same way, we we have to be like children who do not merit entering the kingdom of God, but who only ask, expecting to receive. Now, that word, receive, is really important in the, in the words of the Lord. In the Gospels, you often hear someone speaking about entering the kingdom or inheriting the kingdom. 
And here the, the, the Lord just does, uses the word receive. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. In other words, the way to enter the kingdom of God is to receive it as a little child. The preceding passage gives us a good illustration of how that works. We read it. Two men come to the temple. The one is a Pharisee. The other is a tax collector. The Pharisee is a churchman. And in his prayer, he mentions his good deeds. And he thanks God that he is not as sinful as other people. In other words, he says, he tells God, I'm so thankful because I have a lot to offer. The tax collector stands far off. He, he's afraid to, to draw close, and he, sa- he only asks. He doesn't offer anything. He says, Lord, be merciful to me, me sinner. That man can only hold out his hands. He can only receive. He's got nothing to bring to God. And then the Lord says, that man who came with empty hands, he went home justified. He was the one who entered the kingdom, not the other one. So brothers and sisters, you and I are invited to receive the kingdom of God in order that we may enter it. We are not told to come to to go to God with a, a list of achievements like, well, I have served you in this and that capacity and all my children go to church and I have given a lot of money to the church over the years. No, those are good things, but it's not how we enter. We receive the kingdom of God. That's the way to enter. So in the first place, we come to God feeling ashamed because of our many sins and shortcomings, and yet trusting that God will will receive us, just like Jesus received those little children. Many of you know the the hymn, Rock of Ages. There is a a stanza in there, the third stanza. I sometimes quote that in, in sermons. The first two lines. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. That's basically what the Lord is telling us here. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. That's a good one to memorize, maybe. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. And the Lord says, if you come to me with that attitude, he will surely receive us and give us entrance into his kingdom. He will surely forgive our sins, also our sins and mistakes that we made as teachers and parents and educators. And then he even promises to renew our lives in such a way that we become more and more Christ-like. And secondly, the Lord also teaches that we should learn to be dependent on his blessings, as dependent as little children are on their parents providing for them. And this becomes very, very practical because it, it touches your everyday life. And we all make plans, and, we, we, and that's good. Some of you are successful businessmen, so you know how to, how to, how 
how to direct a good business and how to make a profit and how to make sure that every, everything runs well. Some of you are excellent teachers, some of you are excellent mothers, or many of you are excellent mothers, I'm sure. And yet the Lord wants us, even while we make these good plans and while we are excellent at what we're doing, to still maintain the attitude of a child and go to him every day and say, Lord, you've given me lots of gifts, you've given me a wonderful position, I can run a business, I can do this, I can do that, but I totally depend on your blessing. And then that's when the Lord says, yes, that's the attitude I want to see, and I will bless that in you. So, brothers and sisters, it's a wonderful little picture. The Lord blessing those children, but remember his teaching. It's a teaching about little children. Let them come to me. Do not hinder them. But it's also a teaching for each and every one of us, whether you're 15 or 25 or 50 or 75. We need to be children before the Lord. And when we go to him as children, with all our needs and petitions and with, with our, our sins and whatever, the Lord says, when you receive the kingdom of God as a little child, I will make sure that you enter it. With that in mind, I think we can continue into the new week. The Lord be with you. Amen.